It is Monday, October 30th, 2023. This is another World Series edition of Baseball Today, presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. We are back at it after a day off, after a travel day in the World Series. Hopefully you feel refreshed and ready to go, my friend. I feel great. I'm excited. I just told you how fired up I am for today. It's a big sports day, as everyone's been posting four major sports plus MLS. It's we should just start saying five major sports. MLS is coming. Oh, yeah. Not coming. It's here. It's here. Messi's here. Yeah, I mean, come on. MLS is huge. I don't check it out on a regular basis, but I'm not one of those people who are like, well, it's, you know, it's still soccer. And come on now, stop. If you're a moron, if you continue to think that way, I don't. I mean, that was like the narrative 20 years ago or something. It it's so stupid. Whatever. So, um, yes, once again, we are presented to you by SeatGeek. And we want you to save some money and get the best seats in the house. So, first of all, if you haven't downloaded the SeatGeek app onto your phone, go do that. Then you can save 10% with the code word Postseason. That is all one word. That is all caps. Whether you are a returning customer and have used this before or... Not that particular code word, but use the SeatGeek app, if you know what I mean. Or if you're a new customer, it's perfectly fine. So use it for World Series games this week in Arizona. Uh, you can use it for NFL games, college football, NBA started last week, NHL, concerts, whatever it is. Go use it. Go save 10%. All right. Well, it looks like perhaps we're going to get a lengthy series. I don't want to jinx anything. But the World Series does shift to Arizona tonight with it all tied up at one game apiece after the Diamondbacks routed the Rangers in Arlington in game two. Thanks in part to a guy who had to hone his craft many, many miles away. A deep breath and a 3-2 pitch from Merrill Kelly. Seven excellent innings in the World Series. It took a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of being in the right place. I got to hand it to, I got to give a lot of credit to the to the Arizona organization for giving me a chance to be here. Um, I appreciate them a lot for giving me this opportunity, but um, I'm just glad that we got it done tonight. Merrill Kelly had to pitch four seasons in South Korea before ever throwing his first pitch as a major leaguer. So how does a guy go from a dude who had to make a living in the Far East to not even starting until he was age 30 here in the show to postseason hero. It's a lot of determination. It's basically what it is. I mean, there you get into a system. He was drafted by the Rays early on, spent, I think, six years in the minor leagues before, you know, getting that call. I mean, that happens a lot. You're playing around in the minor leagues. You may have gotten a shot. You may have not uh, gotten a shot. But there are, you know, Korean scouts that come around, especially to the high, you know, upper level minor leagues. I, I talked to a guy. Uh, towards the end of my career. Um, once you go over there, there's a couple things that happen. And I've spoken to guys that have done it, and they've all kind of said the same thing. You go over there, and you're just – you're not alone because, obviously, there's a lot of people there. But, you know, you're in a completely different country and a completely different language. So you have a lot of time with your own thoughts. Uh, you have translators around every once in a while, but – or not every once in a while. They're there. But you're with your own thoughts a lot. So you become – you know, your own hitting coach or you become your own pitching coach. And surely there's a lot of guys there that help out as well. And there's a lot of very smart minds uh, in these leagues. So you draw from them and everything's a little bit different uh, when you go to these different leagues. Like baseball's played differently all over the world. It's it's the truth. So you you take a little bit, you know, you know from the KBO and then, and then you draw from, you know, what works for you. And I think being able to make adjustments and tell yourself, okay, I need to work on some stuff. You know, it 
you start to dig a little deeper, see Rosie. So I think oh. that helped out a lot. And then this is the one thing that everyone always says. When you're over there, you're still watching Major League Baseball. You're still seeing a bunch of your friends that you played with, guys who you think you're probably better than playing in the big leagues. And that's a motivating factor. I talked to Anthony Swarzak about that. He goes over to Korea, and he's like, man, he goes, I saw you playing with the Twins, having all this success. And he goes, I was so happy with you. Him and I are like, we're best friends, roommates all through the minor leagues. And he goes, but it motivated me. He goes, I knew that I could play with you. He goes, and I wanted to make it back. So I think there's a little bit of that. Then you get the chance. He gets the call for the Diamondbacks, um, 2019. You know, he's got to figure out, does this stuff work at the big league level? I think the main thing that you're saying, how does he get from that to dominating in the World Series game? I think it's a lot to do with himself and a lot to do with Brent Strom coming over to the Diamondbacks. Mm, that's he, made some, he, he made some pitching adjustments with his arsenal. Lots of things have happened. But you have to be willing to make adjustments, and you have to have that, that kind of character that wants to continue to work hard and, and get better. So a lot of things have happened. He was filthy. He's been nasty in the playoffs. And right now, he's he's the ace. Well, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic wrote a phenomenal piece on it because, I, you know, sometimes you hear about guys going to a land far, far away and you have no idea what their story is. He had the opportunity, I think, after his second or third season in South Korea to come back on a minor league deal here. And that would have been very tempting. As you mentioned, you know, guys just want a chance. He's like, okay, minor league deal. I'm going to show it. While he was still making some coins, some guaranteed money over in South Korea. And that, you know, we're talking about a guy who wasn't 21. He was in his late 20s at that point. And now you have to start thinking, well, where can I start making money? Like maybe the major league dream can still be a dream. But the reality is I got to start putting some bucks in my bank account here. And I think he talked it over with either his brother or his brother-in-law. I forget exactly who it was. His bro- family members like, dude, you're making money here. If it's going to happen, it'll happen. Stay here. Continue to be a starter at the highest level over here instead of a non-guaranteed minor league deal back in the States. Why? Just You'll be one of a billion guys doing that. Continue to hone your craft. Get better so that somebody in the major leagues offers you a major league deal. And that's what happened. So he spent extra time, and I imagine that took a tremendous amount of discipline to say that, right? I mean, do you imagine being, right? You want to believe in yourself and say, of course I'm going to make it on a minor league deal. I know what I'm all about. That is a huge risk. So it took some discipline to stay over there. But now what he's become, I mean, at the beginning of the playoffs, we are like, yep, they got Zach Gallen, and we think Merrill Kelly's good enough to help him in the postseason. And what has he done? Well, in game two against the Phillies, he gave up three hits. In game six against the Phillies, he gave up three hits. He's given up three hits in every freaking game he's thrown in the postseason. He has been as good a starter as we've seen. What he's done, and I, I talk about this all the time, if you watch him pitch right now, I always talk about guys presenting pitches as strikes and having them exit the strike zone. That's what you want to do as a pitcher. You want you want to get guys to chase. You want to you know have them thinking that ball is going to be in the strike zone. Then when it gets there, it's not. He's able to do both. He's able to present it as a strike and let it go out of the strike zone. He's also able to present pitches as balls and have them go back into the strike zone. Like he's getting swings and misses. He's getting takes because he's just locating everything right now. Um, 
it's it's when you have a guy doing that as a hitter, it's 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 very 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 difficult. You have to be so disciplined uh, at the plate. You find yourself falling behind in counts a lot because of that, and then you're battling. You, you're when you have a guy that's able to do that, you don't feel like you're in an offensive position. Uh, he was up there with some of the best ever in terms of um, most strikeouts with zero walks in a World Series game. The only guys who had more: Clayton Kershaw, Don Newcomb. Cliff Lee and Deacon Philippe back in the first World Series in 1903. By the way, if you're wondering how good Deacon was, he threw 242 complete games in his career. <laughs> Pretty good. All right. So we move on. Cattell Marte has just been unbelievable. I don't think we've spent enough time talking about him and his 18 game postseason hit streak. Dude is just a masher from both sides of the dish. But in game two, one of his teammates, Tommy Pham, stole the show. First player to go four for four, or had a chance to be the first player to go five for five, to be honest, in a World Series game. How important has his addition been to this squad? I mean, I don't think you can say enough about it. You listen to guys talk about him. I think that's the main thing. Like, don't let, not even his play show it, not even, you know, what, he's talking about like it's what his teammates are talking about tommy fam and you're gonna see this on a lot of instagram posts about tommy fam check the comments it's all his former teammates saying tommy fam one of the best teammates ever had hardest worker in the league all these things i mean that's very important to you know a young squad bringing a guy like tommy fam over this is what happens in the clubhouse when you have a guy like that he's a veteran guy who's been around the league for a long time he's a little scary too right like he's intimidating Hmm? And maybe he doesn't Depends. mean to be, but he is. There's stories out there about him slapping dudes. Like it's it's intimidating. Tommy Fam walks in your locker room, you're like, okay. And then he starts working harder than you. And he starts doing things every single day, stacking those victories. And you say, dang, I better start doing that too. And it gets everyone to collectively buy into that mindset. And when you have a bunch of guys buying in saying, I'm gonna work as hard as I can every single day, the results start to happen. He got over there right away. I think they were in the midst of the losing streak. Mm-hmm. And then he went on a little bit of a hitting streak. They started to get it going. I know they didn't finish off great, but they did enough. And now here they are, you know, in the World Series, and he's starring. And, you know, you can't – he was 4-4 four for four with a chance to go 5-5. Five for five. His locker mate, Jace Peterson, he was able to get him in a bat because he went up to the manager and said, I want this guy to get in a bat. That shows you everything right there. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. You know, I know the numbers don't pop off the page when you look back at his his 2023 Diamondbacks numbers, um, but I think the work that he did inside the clubhouse was probably just as important as anything he's done on the field. Yeah, with that Jace Peterson story, it's not like he and unless there's something I'm missing, and I kind of did the stacking of their careers because they're roughly the same age. They debuted the same season in the major leagues. I don't think there's much of a connection there. Now they might be workout buddies or something in the off season that I don't know about. And that's very possible. But as for playing together in the major leagues, I think this is the first time they did. It was here in it Arizona. Is. It is. And Jace Peterson's a guy who's bounced around from team to team and has played nearly 900 games in the show and had less than five postseason plate appearances until that one that he got in game two. And I think, and part of the reason Tommy fam came out and did it, people say, well, it's a look at me moment. No, no, no. His manager was taking a lot of shit for taking Tommy Pham out with a chance to become the first guy to go for five for five in a World Series game. So he went out and he's like, no, no, no. I would just want to go on the record that I asked for this. Stay off my manager. 
and that's an important thing. So we had Paul Seawald, who just like Fam, got traded from a con- you know a team that was supposed to contend for the World Series in the Mariners to Arizona, and I asked him about Fam, and I said, "Listen, he's a very polarizing guy. I've heard a lot of dudes really like him, but there's this public perception that he's an asshole." I said, "What is the deal with Tommy Fam?" And here's part of his answer: Tommy is just one of the hardest workers in this entire league. He's one of the smarter players in this league, and he's just so dedicated to his craft and doing everything he can to be ultra prepared that like you just can't ask for anything more as a teammate in my perspective. Not all 26 guys have to be my best friend. That's that's not really how a best clubhouse works. I I want guys that I know are prepared as much as they can for every game. I think that's it. I think he nailed it, right? I mean, it says, that says it all. Like you set the tone. You have to have tone setters in a clubhouse, and Tommy Pham sure as shit sets the tone. Yeah, and listen, there's people that are always going to remember him for the for the guy who goes and smacks Jock Peterson or the guy who's getting into it with fans when he's getting ready to hit in the on-deck circle and stuff like that, and that's all part of who he is, right? I mean, it's all part of his story and some other things. But, man, I got to tell you, I think there were a lot of teams that whiffed when they didn't get him at the trade deadline. I think there's a lot of teams that could have used his intensity at times during this October run. Anytime I get to point out veteran leadership, I'm going to point out veteran leadership because it is so important. It is, man. I'm telling you. And you know what it is? It makes all of the numbers crunchers have to pay attention to a column that you cannot quantify. You can't you can you can't quantify it maybe you can see who the guys are just go ask around. I know, but in a world where we're so numbers driven, particularly this sport more than any other one, what number value do you put on that? I mean, I I weighed it heavily. How about that? <laughs> you math people out there. Evan Longoria is another great example of that. They wouldn't yeah. be here without a guy like Longo. They wouldn't. Yeah, but it's not like Longo's polarizing. No, but he's a great leader. I know, but what my point is is that with Tommy Pham, I think yeah. so many people, fair or unfair, have other thoughts about him. All right, game three tonight. Max Scherzer going against Brandon Fott. What's going to be the biggest storyline to come out of this starting performance between these two? I think it's. I think the storyline already is. It, the biggest storyline is already set. I mean, this is the accomplished hall of fame vet going up against the rookie like mm. in a crucial game three where the winner of this game wins the series 69 percent of the time we're talking three doesn't max have three cy youngs I believe you're correct three cy youngs every career accomplishment you could think of they trade for you to be in these situations it's a massive game for both these guys and it's you talk about polarizing you have like I said, a first ballot Hall of Famer going up in, you know, a time where he's trying to build his way back. He's supposed to be like a hundred, like a hundred percent, according to Bruce Bochy, no limitations on pitch count, anything like that today. So we're going to see, you know, what or why the the Rangers went and got Max Scherzer. This is it. And then you got a guy, Brandon Fott, who like was such an afterthought that his manager saying like, we only need to get 14 outs with him and like, you know, like. There's two different expectations going into the postseason for these guys. But now it's 
not that way. I mean, I think Brandon fought. I think, I think you kind of have to side on the D back side. If you're, if you're going, what starting pitcher line do you want to take tonight? I think mm-hmm. if you've been watching the series and watching these games, you're going to take Brandon fought tonight. And I think that's a massive storyline. This rookie showing up when it counts the most going up against this guy, who's kind of like trying to prove himself this postseason. He's had a couple starts that have been, you know, just wishy-washy and those kind of been his rehab type starts. So I'm hope we get full Max Scherzer today versus full Brandon fought. And it's like that storyline alone is like a movie script. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the accomplished dude going up against the rookie in the biggest series that you can have. And it's awesome. Yeah. And obviously there's the connection between the two teams with Scherzer having been drafted yep. by the Diamondbacks and spending his first year and a half in the show with them before being traded in that huge three team trade. Go back and look at that trade, by the way, if you don't remember it between Diamondbacks, Yankees, and uh, why am I having a brain fart? Uh, Tigers. Like Curtis Granderson was involved in it. Uh, Ian Kennedy, I believe, was still throwing pitches this year. Was involved was in it. in that trade? Who? Didi? Gregorius? Who was in that no. trade? No. So uh, Granderson, Ian Kennedy, uh, Phil Coke, oh Daniel Schlereth was in it. Mark Schlereth's kid that was a left-handed reliever. Um, who else was in it? I got it right here. All right. Uh oh my gosh, Edwin Jackson to the D backs, Phil Coke, Austin Jackson, yes, went to the Tigers, and Ian Kennedy, Curtis Granson. That's a lot lot of of people, it's a lot of major leaguers and and guys that some that hadn't played in the major leagues at that point, and and guys who had long, successful careers. So that's a lot of a lot of big names there. That was fun. Um, but Scherzer says, Listen, this that it's not a story that was 14 years ago, so we've kind of moved on. For him, it's kind of cool. He becomes another pitcher that gets to make a, a World Series start with a third different team. There's not a lot of those guys out there. And the injury bugaboo has hit him again. He's been dealing with this cut on his thumb, which he's used some super glue and stuff like that, which I didn't think you were allowed to use, but apparently you are. I wonder if it's too hot in Arizona. I've always heard that that stuff tends to open up. And then that could be a problem, right? Can't pitch, got bloody thumb. So... And he's a guy, remember, he woke up with a bad neck before Game 5 of the World Series when he was supposed to start, pushed his start to Game 7. It's always something with Max. Always something. In the meantime, Brandon fought. He got called up to replace Madison Bumgarner, who got DFA'd, who's still the highest-paid diamond back in the year. And he made his Major League debut against the Rangers and got knocked all over the place. And here he is now, a postseason hero. And by the way, they were asking him, you know, what do you remember about watching the World Series and that? He couldn't even remember if he watched the World Series last year. Like, I don't think this dude's much of a baseball fan. <laughs> I just think he's really good at it. No, that's not fair. A lot of baseball players won't watch the playoffs. They don't care. I know. Why is that? Well, if I'm not in it, I'm not watching. You know, when I, would, when I was playing, I would barely watch the postseason. If I knew some people that were in it, like really good buddies of mine, I would watch. Like when the Royals were doing it, it's I couldn't World watch Series. it. It made me sick, dude. It seriously made me sick to see those Royals have success. I played against them so much. It was it was tough, man. It hurt. It's the World Series. Fucking turn it on the TV. I'm what telling you, you I, would, I, would, I would venture out to say that guys that play in the big leagues who are not in the postseason, I mean – I would say well over half will not watch a postseason game. You might catch some highlights here and there, but 
I get it. You're not glued to the wild card round, but the World Series? I'm telling you, you're, you're taking your break at that. You're taking your break at this time, dude. You've, you've been going at it for eight straight months at least playing ball, and you're just like, I need time to reset. I'm going to take a straw poll of guys. We should. I I'm curious. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to text yeah. for you and see where we are. I'll be disappointed if it's more than half that aren't watching. I will. Do you think the NFL guys watch the Super Bowl if they're not in it? They're well, I know in it at all. I know what happens is they all show up to the Super Bowl for the parties and the endorsement deals. That's and true. They That's get true. out of town on Sunday morning. Yeah, they don't watch it. Yeah, I think they do. I think they watch. I'm it. curious. I, I would like to take a poll. We should. We should do that. We should figure it out. Yeah, well, that'll be good. All right. So, uh, game four. It, it feels like Arizona has really dominated much of this series. Um. What do you want to see out of Texas that maybe is a little different tonight to kind of get them going before a couple of ninth-inning homer swings? Go get a lead and get Brandon Fott out of there early. You know, Torrey Lovello's whole thing is 18 outs plus or minus four. That's what he keeps saying with his pitchers um, in this in this uh, postseason run here. I want to see them knock a starter out early. Go get into that pen. Make him make decisions. Make him make decisions out there where he's going to go. Am I going to use my good bullpen? Am I going to use the B squad? I want to see Tory have to make some of these decisions. And the way you do that is don't let the starters go five. Like get him out of there before. So get an early lead. And then, you know, Scherzer's got to do his thing. Scherzer, Scherzer has to give them like, so you want, I want to see them get Brandon Fott out of the game, whether that's pitch count or whether that's just going and scoring on him, making Tory Lavella make a decision. And then Scherzer, he has to go. He has to give them like. Paging Marcus Simeon, paging oh, yeah. Marcus Simeon, please report to aisle six. Where's he been? Where's he been? You know why he's always one of my favorite players? Earlier we talked about accountability and leadership. And that's him to a T, man. Like among guy, all he plays every game. He plays every freaking game during the year. He does not want a day off, and he's uber productive. Hitting 194 in the playoffs. I don't even think he's got a homer yet. Like we, It's been over a month since he went over the wall. So this isn't entirely on a guy, but, man, they are such a different machine when he's clicking in front of Seager. So I don't know exactly. You know, people are like, well, he bunt your way on. That's not, that's not how he rolls. It's not how he does it. But and maybe it's around the corner. Maybe it's going to happen over these last three wins if the Rangers get there. Dude, it's tough, right? You and I are on the same page then. You want Marcus to go. He's batting leadoff. So, yeah, get something going early on. And I don't mind him bunting either, Chris. I don't know about to start the game off, but there's got to be situations during the game where it could present itself as an opportunity. Evan Longoria sacked Bunna, then hit a uh, base hit past the drawn in uh, Josh Young. So, well, everybody got a sack bunt for the Diamondbacks. Everybody <laughs> bunts for the Diamondbacks. And guess what? It's working. Chaos. Meanwhile, if you're a Rangers fan, you just have to embrace it that basically we're home run or nothing. They led the AL in homers this year, and they have a chance to hit the most homers in a single postseason if they really get on their horse. No pun intended with Texas and Cowboys and Rangers and stuff. But um, Right. So basically, it's that's how we produce offense. 
Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to string some hits together too. It's, it, it is difficult, you know, as a team when you are only reliant on homers to score runs, you know, mm-hmm. because there is there, there will be times where you're just not going to get those homers. And mm-hmm. so you have those offensive lulls. Um, they, they can do both. They can they can hit the ball, you know, behind runners. They can do all that. All these guys are good enough to do it. You just got to string together good at-bats. But the Arizona pitching has been very good. Very good. Can't believe it. I got asked a lot uh, during my NFL assignment, obviously, about the World Series. And people are like, "What?" so Arizona wasn't very good during the year, right? I was like, no. I said, it's basically the equivalent of a team that went 9-8 and eight in the NFL regular season as a seven seed in the playoffs making the Super Bowl. I said, that's basically what the equivalent is here. Like, wow. And when's the last time that happened? Because I know you know. Yeah, but 9-8 and eight doesn't happen to get to the Super Bowl. You we had seen like remember this is only the second or third year of the seven seed being around it for longest time it was just the six seed we have seen six seeds get there but usually they're like a they were a 10 and 6 team back mm-hmm. when they played 16 games they weren't 8 and 8 and making the super bowl that just doesn't happen okay it doesn't happen it doesn't happen it doesn't happen cuz i think you have to be better than you have to win three games to get to the Super Bowl, and the odds of a 500 NFL team beating really good teams three in a row, not going to happen. This do you sport, think? Do you, it's different. Do you think it'd be more or less? Uh, it would happen more or less if, like, say, let's just this is silly, but it's an exercise. If we went to one game playoff series, just like mm-hmm. the NFL, mm-hmm. do you think in baseball? we would have the quote-unquote better team win more often or would it be the same? It's one game, anything can happen. That's just kind of baseball's M.O., right? Yeah. Like, uh, a, like a longer series is supposed to benefit the better team. Yes, it is. Well, test your depth. Test your depth. Right, particularly your pitching depth. But um, if you had one game and you could just unleash your freaking demons good there. Good question. Good question. I, I don't think there would be much of a difference. Okay. Right? The Oakland A's and Kansas City Royals still won enough games this year. We're in a one-game series. They could have beaten the Atlanta Braves. In fact, the A's did take a series from the Braves. And the Royals took two series from the Astros. Oh, that's a great off-season question. Let's do that. Like, that okay, is good. One-game series, who matches up the best? You'd have to have, like, three just absolute studs. Ready to go for you. You have to pick three pitchers. That's That's it. That's all you get. All right. We are 24 hours now from Halloween. I know everybody is super excited. And this one floated around all social media channels. It is the baseball Halloween costume of all Halloween costume. Dude wearing his Randy Johnson jersey. And his girl's got the dead bird outfit. Oh, I mean, it is scale of it's one good. to ten. Ten. It's a it's a great Halloween costume. I wish I like thought about stuff like that before Halloween. I'm never right. I'm not good with my Halloween costumes. That's very unique and and well executed. I'll say that because the guy kind of looks like a little Randy Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does totally. Mullet, mustache. The gl- even the glove is like perfect. Yeah, gloves good, good and everything. Yeah, he's. I mean, he nailed it. He totally nailed it. Very good. I don't know where they're taking that picture. It looked like uh it's a subway. It look, yeah, it does look like either like a some sort of train station or something. Okay. Interesting. 
You excited for Halloween? Not really, to be honest with you. We did our party this weekend. It was awesome. We won best okay. uh, costume as a group, the Clueless Clan. Oh, we I saw it. that. That was adorable. Very yeah, nice. we had a good time. Uh, good. Very fun party we went to. And then tomorrow, yeah, I take the kids trick-or-treating. But I also have to work tomorrow. I got to watch the game. And Yes, you do. Stuff. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, enjoy game three. Give me a winner tonight. Rangers. I think Arizona gets it. Okay. Yeah. And then game four is always interesting because of the pitching matchups, bullpen yep. games, all that sort of stuff. That one is that one always becomes the the weird one, if you ask me. All right. Uh we are looking forward to game three tonight. Enjoy it on your local Fox affiliate. For our one of a kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the Uber talented, clueless Trevor Plue. I mean that in the nicest way. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Tuesday on Baseball Today.